to As the World Turns. Just kidding. It's the Mid-City Soccer Show. I am your host, Matt Swift. With me, as always, David Gussler. How are you tonight, sir? I'm good. I feel like uh, As the World Turns is the proper title for this episode because it feels like Charlotte <laughs> FC is nothing but drama right now. So, um, you know, it takes a little bit to kind of have us some daytime uh, soaps going on. And I feel like that's the... <laughs> The Charlotte FC uh, reality show at this point, but uh, how are you doing? Hey, remember that time we were supposed to have a Charlotte reality show? <laughs> I do, I do, and I feel like uh, I feel like Nick Kelly dipped out and said, "Here you go, guys. Here's the real reality show for you." So. <laughs> oh man! Well, some news came out today, David. Do you want to take us take us through some of the drama? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm just going to kind of give credit here. So um, Carol Walton, who does a great job for the Charlotte Ledger, has you know a football newsletter uh, that comes out every Friday. But she shared an article today that was breaking news for uh, Charlotte FC. So just going to read a few little nuggets here. But if you haven't read the full article, be sure you go check her out um, from the Charlotte Ledger. But uh, she talks about here. So the title of this, it's just a 23-year-old woman tells police that she was sexually assaulted in uptown apartments hours after the season opener in February. So um, in here, Charlotte Ledger provided uh, CMPD with Shinyashiki's name, date of birth, and asked for any incident reports involving him. And then CMPD uh, records office gave them a two-page incident report that contains a few details, but does not list uh, Shinyashiki by name. So um, go, th- go read the article, but obviously something came out that I know a lot of fans were wondering the past few weeks of why Andre was not on the roster, why he wasn't mm-hmm. playing, uh, where did he go? And I think this kind of starts to tip the hat a little bit of what potentially may have happened. But again, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to act like I know because I definitely don't know. But um, Matt, what do you want to kind of add to this? Because it's it's obviously a fever right now with everyone kind of trying to figure out what's going on and they want to know more information. But you know, what do we what do we know? What do we not know? And how do you feel the club is feeling and Andre's feeling it at this time? Yeah, first off, I, I think now you know why people were posting what they were doing on social media uh, about the situation and saying, hey, if you if you know what I know, you wouldn't be saying this or, you know, not blaming the front office or anything like that. And it's because uh, some folks knew that this was a situation, knew that charges were not officially you know, fraud and, you know, he was arrested or anything like that. So, and it's a pretty serious allegation. So I know I didn't feel comfortable saying what it was at the time and figured that it would come out at some point. So there's that whole, whole thing. So I think maybe now people are, are having a better idea of why that was going on and why the team just really dropped Andre altogether and then tried to move him. So there's been some issues with this move and some lots of questions. And so I'm going to try to address them the best that I can. Uh, I talked a little bit of like about this in our Mint City Collective Slack. But uh, for those that are not members or haven't seen, I'll try to go through what I can here. And hopefully this will make sense. So th- the team in general has to be careful since there's no charges they have to be careful like what they say and what they do about this situation. As we talked about in last episode, MLS has a players association and the players players association is set to protect players. So if a team comes out and slanders a player, uh, that team could get sued. And when you sue the team, you're basically suing the league. league. Um, So you have to tread lightly. 
so this situation happened. Charlotte finds out about it. They have their own opinions and did their own investigation and, and feel the way that they do about it. It's my understanding that Andre has had some other issues stemming from last year, going into this year. And just overall, I, I think the team is ready to just kind of be done with them. I don't know if this was the straw that broke the camel's back. There may be some more that comes of this. There may be some other issues. Regardless of innocence or guilt, if you want to just take those off the table, you could just look at the situation and it, it kind of should tell you something that even if he was found innocent in this, they still feel strong enough and maybe have some other things that they just want to be done with him. So from my understanding, I'm trying to get some clarification on this, but um, when it, it looks like Charlotte wanted to move Andre on. So they were the, the league, you know, because he, you know, because Andre doesn't have these charges, he's technically cleared to play. Charlotte doesn't want anything to do with him. So they want to ship him off to, to RSL. So that deal starts. It gets leaked, of course, like every deal does. But that's why you should never say it's official until it actually is official and the team actually announces it because things can fall through. And this is a prime example. So they ship, they try to ship him off to RSL. Uh, the team has to divulge these things to the team, to RSL. And at that point, um, there's, we're not sure if RSL said no or the league came in and said no. That's what I'm trying to, uh, to verify. But either way, the deal broke down. And so here we are, but the team still feel, they still feel strong enough that they do not want him anywhere near this team. That should tell you something, regardless of these, or this one allegation, which is bad enough as it is, even if he's quote unquote, quote, been cleared, which I don't, I still don't think that he has been completely cleared, but that should tell you something. So here we are, drama, drama, drama. But hopefully this will get worked out. I've seen some statements from Andre himself, which looks like was prepared by his agent. I've seen his agent say some things. So we'll just have to see how this all plays out. But I don't think that this is going to go away. And I wouldn't be surprised if more things come out, unfortunately. But yeah, and you kind of touched on it there. So you said Andre put a statement out. And so this is from Twitter, from Andre Shinyashiki's. Uh, Twitter account. So he says, quote, I'd like to address the story that came out today. I fully cooperated with Charlotte police and major league soccer and their separate investigations related to the incident and no charges have been filed against me. I've also been cleared by MLS to play. I have no further comment. So um, kind of going back to what you're saying, Swift, that it looks like there was no charges here, but obviously team wants to potentially move on uh, at least from how it looks. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real sticky situation. Uh, it's always one of these things where sports teams and personal situations come up. Like I know the Hornets had something happen over the offseason. The Panthers have had things happen during their seasons and offseasons in the past. So it's not something that's unfamiliar for sports teams to move on from people who were either potentially involved and maybe not charged or mm -hmm. being charged in situations, right? So it's not unheard of potentially right but i think one of the things that just for me i don't want to say it fascinates me but it definitely 
it it makes it unique because with let's say NFL or NBA, these players sign contracts with these franchises. They sign deals with the teams. With MLS, yeah, they they sign deals for these teams, but all these teams are technically owned by Major League Soccer. All their contracts are contracts with Major League Soccer, theoretically speaking, right? And so it seems like MLS could have, I don't, I, I don't know, I'm speculating here, so I don't know, but MLS could have known, MLS could be okay with it. Who knows, right? It sounds like the league needs to kind of come out and say something potentially as well, because it is their quote unquote employee or, you know, contract that they have with said player, even if Charlotte mm-hmm. does, wants to move on with this individual. Yeah, but but again, even if the league does want to come out, the if they come out and say we don't condone this, Shinyashiki is this, he's that, the players' association could sue could sue the league, and I think that's why the league hasn't put anything out yet. Uh, you might see something come out, or you might see Charlotte FC put something out because I think they feel pretty strongly about the the situation. So again, it just it just sucks that this has happened. It's the last thing in the world that we need right now. But I, I can say that maybe moving Andre on might be might be good for the locker room, the whole situation to get to get that whole <laughs> drama out of here, right? Um, there's been some other speculations and stuff too that I won't go into, but it might just be for the best to to get him to get him out of here, and it might be good for him, change of scenery, whatever. I, I'm just not going to talk anymore about him personally, but um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a crappy situation. But hopefully, we can get through this pretty pretty soon and get back to football, which is also not being going great. So let's let's transition on that note, right? So just talking about not so great football. Um, Charlotte FC played the most recent match on Saturday. Swift, you were there, uh, so I don't want to hear any more conversations that. You know, David wasn't there. That's the reason why we win. Anything like that, like last episode, because uh, I was clearly not there. And I felt like it was one of our worst games we have we've played this season. So um, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Right. So Charlotte traveled up to D.C. Yeah. United, D.C. United comes out of nowhere. And again, does the old switcheroo, flippy floppy, whatever you want to call it. I feel like this series has just gone three to nothing to three to nothing to three to nothing. And D.C. United prevails this time. Winning yeah. three to nothing. So, Swift, you were there. How was it mm-hmm. first? How was your trip up there? I saw you were live, or not live, but you posted some videos of Chico driving up. So, me just pick your brain on that first. How was the ride up with Chico this time? Was it as mad, maddening as it was to go to Ohio, or was it any better? <laughs> What's your thoughts? No, the ride up is always the best part. Uh, it did rain the whole time, so that was frustrating. We had to go a lot slower. Uh, but it's always fun traveling with Chico. He's hilarious uh, and just interesting and funny to talk to. He has lots of thoughts. Uh, he's only listened to two episodes of the podcast, by the way. Um, so I got on to him about that. While we were driving up, the new episode did come out and we still didn't listen to it. So. <laughs> yeah, he said we had like 82 episodes. And he's like, that's too many. That's too many episodes. So He said, slow it down or turn it down. So, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's always, uh, it's always fun hanging out with Chico and driving up there was, was great. Uh, Friday night we get, or Friday we get in, we get into DC and around three o'clock we go to a place called Walters and we're there from 3 PM to, 
I don't know, midnight or 11.30. So it was eight hours <laughs> of, of, of drinking. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Saturday, I woke up and had the worst hangover I have had in years and years and years and years and years. Swift, I was basically I just, sick all day Saturday. I just want to say, Swift, I saw a photo of you. Um I think that Saturday out sightseeing a little bit. Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna lie, buddy. I saw you and you were like, you kind of look like you got hit by a truck before. <laughs> before uh, yeah. And so yeah. Well, I I got up finally and tried to join the group that were doing the sightseeing. I lasted like an hour. I was like, I have to go back to the hotel. <laughs> and I when I went to bed, I felt perfectly fine. And but yeah, the next day it was just awful. And then I decided to count the drinks back, and I was like, "Oh, that's why I feel like death." So uh, that wasn't fun. And so Saturday, I think I had half a beer the whole day, and at the stadium, um, you poor soul. So you yeah, had to watch that game sober. Like that's, that's yeah, bad. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's was not. It was not great. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad that you had a good time with Chico. It's always fun with Met City Collective going on away days. Um, it's always always a great turnout. I had fun with St. Louis mm. when we went up there. So, um, but now let's uh, let's talk about the actual game. So, um, Matt, looking at the starting eleven, seems like it was pretty similar to what we saw last game, um, almost, except for one oh. major difference. Um, yeah. So, you know, since we last played uh, U.S. Open Cup, we talked a little bit about it in the last episode. You know, uh, Camille Yuzwiak is going to be out for a little bit of time. And then Bill Tuoloma is going to be out for an extended period of time. So that left a pretty big gaping hole at center back for this game. And so Christian Latanzio decides to have a starting 11 with Derek Jones uh, as our starting center back. And then moved Brant Bronico uh, into that six. Ashley Westwood as an eight and Carroll as our cam there at the, at the top of that little triangle you want to call a uh, midfield so what was your thoughts on the starting lineup swift i'm sure you've got some hot takes and (laughs) strong opinions on this one yeah you you take a a player out of position and you force him into a different position and mistakes happen period Uh, i like Derek jones but you know we'll, we'll talk about you know the penalty, but you put him in a situation, he's going to act like a central defensive mid. He puts in a challenge like that, that he, you know, you can get away with that in center of the field, but not in the box. And by the way, we, we have a, a center back on the bench. We, we actually have two. Diop can play uh, center back as well. So you have Jan and Diop sitting on the bench. They don't start. And then Jan, you know, before, you know, Jan's been playing with Crown Legacy and we're like, okay, he's just out of favor, yada, yada, yada. Maybe he's not training well. You know, what we always say every week, it seems like, but he's in the squad. So you start a center back instead, or you start a a defensive, a center, center defensive mid, put him at center back over a natural center back. So there you go. Uh, another stupid decision um, and puts our team again we've talked about this you have to let your players play in the positions and let them just play when you start t- 
tinkering and moving them around and putting them in bad spots, bad things happen. And that's exactly what, what happened Saturday. Yeah, and it's it was kind of, I know we talked about it on the show, and we did predict and talk through that we do probably foresee Derek Jones starting at center back uh, on our late, last episode. It doesn't mean that we <laughs> agreed with it potentially. No, but if you think about it now, right, it's now three games this season where we played a midfielder in a defensive line position, right? Uh, Brant Bronico played left back twice this season. Both mm-hmm. those games were just bad. In and an then idiotic we, decision. Idiotic. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we go and put Derek Jones at center back. And you and you touched on a little bit, like, I guess for my perspective, why why even have Jan and Diop on the roster then at that point, if your expectation is to have Derek Jones start at center back? And I and I feel bad for Derek because he's had a pretty solid season mm-hmm. so far. And he had a pretty solid season at the end of the end of the year last year. And he's doing whatever his coach tells, just like Brant did. Brant didn't really complain about playing left back, but you know he probably did not enjoy that. Um, I just don't understand why, and I, I don't. You, you mean like I, I just I frankly don't. And yep. I, I know Latanzio um, hasn't really come out and explained the reasons why either. But um, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of baffling a little bit, and it's continued to cost Charlotte some points this season from a decision making. So. Um, yeah. So on that note, Swift, what did you, uh, what'd you think of Ashley Westwood's return? So this was the first game Westwood has been back since having a knock. I feel like he's missed what five or six games at this point. Um, and mm-hmm. they brought him back pretty slowly. So that way he can, um, not re-injure himself potentially. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, the team kind of hyped up Ashley a little bit this past offseason, kind of talking about being able to create passes to Enzo and create these you know, signature runs and our signature passes to create these runs. Um, I didn't really see that this past week. And, you know, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on how he performed and how the midfield performed in this game. Oh, the midfield performed poorly. Ashley did oh, OK. He was one of four accurate crosses. He was two of five, you know, which is like 40% long balls. He had six recoveries. He was dispossessed like three times. It's a lukewarm performance. I think what uh what do you have a match rating of like 6.2, I believe, or something like that on the fuck mob. So I, yeah, nothing to write home about, but I, I, I thought the whole midfield played poorly anyway. Uh I I look for him to to improve in the next game. I, I like him as a player. I, I think we're, we're just trying to really figure out who's going to play what role in midfield. And here we are, you know, what, 10 games in, and we're still sorting this, you know, still sorting all this out. So what do, what do we do with the midfield at this point? Because I feel like that's been a pretty touchy subject the past little while. And, you know, we can talk about Enzo and some of the, the strikers and the scoring and the chances, right? Um, but like credit to Enzo, like he is um, a player that requires, you know, chances created, right? He requires balls to be placed in areas of opportunity for his runs. And you, when you don't have midfields that create that, right? And we'll talk about Enzo in just a second. But, you know, our midfield's not been something that has been aggressive and attacking and been known to create chances consistently out of that spine, right? Mm-hmm. And now with... You know, some moves on our roster. Um, Crown Legacy guys starting to get called up a little bit. 
do you foresee us kind of making some pretty seismic changes or tactic changes over the next few weeks? Because I mean, honestly, at this point, we haven't had consistency. What the hell's, you know, what, why not try some new things over the next few weeks and see what sticks? Because what's working right now or what you're doing right now is not really working. Right. So what do, what do you think? If you're Latanzio, what do you do now with this midfield? Phew. Well, there's no linked up play between Sodersky and uh, Capetti. So that's an issue. They're not playing well together. I, I'm wondering if you're going to be able to have them on the field at the same time. I want to try to give Capetti the benefit of the doubt and give him time to settle in and just work through this. For me, he's been god awful. We could talk about service all you want. His touch has been horrible. His decision-making has been horrible. His flopping on the ground has been horrible. Every single foul. It doesn't matter if it's against us, for us. doesn't matter. He is running to the referee, getting in his face, and complaining. And I'm, I'm absolutely sick of it. I hate seeing it. If you're scoring goals or you know, getting assists, that's one thing. He had a 5.2 match rating. Lowest on the team. Lowest than Marks, who allowed in three goals. Lowest than so, Derek Jones, who allowed a PK. Right. I, I I don't know what else to say. I he he can't hold the ball up. He's not creating chances. I, I someone else is going to have to tell me how how good he is because I'm just not I'm not seeing it. However, there's no link up play with him as Swiderski. And, and again, they just don't seem to be on the same page. I don't even know if they like each other. It's just weird. It's a weird situation. Uh, and I don't understand. Uh, you talk about decisions and subs and people that are starting. I don't understand why Capetti starts and plays every single minute. I, I don't get that at all. I, I tweeted this out. You can actually move Swiderski up, up top. And then you can bring in like a Ben Ben Bender or another playmaker underneath to try to get some service. Because right now, this is not working. To your point, David, the DC game game was one of the worst I've seen. That one, Atlanta, and RSL. Like, we look good the first 20 minutes. And actually, McKenzie Gaines looked kind of dangerous the first 20 minutes. And then it just kind of all fell apart. And then we give up that stupid penalty. And this team folded. Like, I, I I never have a problem with, like, losing other than stupid tactics and subs. But if you lose, you lose. And you're not going to win every game in the MLS. But this team, to me, just folded, especially in the second half. They looked absolutely uninterested, did not play with passion, did not play with heart. And they can say whatever they want to say. And anyone wants to listen to this get – can get mad or I, I I don't care. Like, and it's a problem. I don't know if that's a coaching problem or a player problem, but either way, it's a problem. And I can't stand to support a team that's going to go out there and half-ass. And that's what it was the second half. And it was very disheartening. And, you know, I travel to a lot of the games. I go to most of the games. I spend a lot of money on merch and stuff like that. This game right here in particular Maybe I was still half hungover or something. I was I was really pissed this game. And it made me think like, maybe I don't go to all the away games. Maybe, maybe there's there's a couple that I miss because I need to spend time with, you know, 
you know, my actual family and, and actually do other things. It was really the first time I was like, this sucks. This, this sucks and I don't like it. Um, so, but there's another game this Saturday and there's an opportunity to write the ship, I guess. Yeah, I um I happened to see a live video of the stands, Matt, of you, and I, I happened to screenshot it and ask some fans to drop some comments of what you were thinking in that moment. And you look pretty pissed, I'm not gonna lie. Um I so I mean, but rightfully so. And I and I do agree with you there. Like I felt pretty good the first 20, 25 minutes or so. And it mm-hmm. we 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 had possession, we had some control. DC wasn't really creating anything. Um, Derek Jones seemed like he was actually doing okay against some of the strikers for DC. And then we let up the PK and, you know, I'll, I'll credit, I think, um, it was our friends from the Yeti clan were there for some press credentials and they asked what well, Ashley Westwood, like, you know, how, how'd you feel about the game? What, like, what happened? Right. And he even made a comment of like that first PK, we let them in and it just shifted the entire like game plan mm-hmm. and mindset for everyone. And you, you can tell because yeah. We had control the first half of the first half, mm-hmm. and then they got the PK. Momentum shifted, and then we just started the fold right before halftime. And I'm like, and even in the back of my head, I was watching that game, and I even put it on our Slack, and I was like, you know what? I, I still feel okay. Like, we're down one to mm-hmm. nothing, but we we can totally come back and draw against DC because they weren't showing anything too, too impressive. And it the first part of that first half gave me hope. And then we come out in the second half, don't make any changes at all to our tactics, subs, anything. And we just fold. Mm-hmm. We we get outplayed. We get out-hustled. Um, and we just let in, frankly, embarrassing goals. Like, it, I mean, think, think about it in that second half. And this is what kind of gets me before we talk about subs. But, you know, um, I'm probably going to butcher his name. Uh Benteke, is that how you mm-hmm. say it, Swift? Okay, Chris, yep. yeah, Christian so, Benteke. So he's he's been on fire the past few weeks for DC, mm-hmm. right? He's he's helped yeah. bring him out out of nowhere and created chances, um, almost like how a, a, a center forward which should be, right? Um, but mm. um, he creates what would be most likely the goal of the week this week and gets a bicycle kick goal and in, in mm-hmm. at the eight yard box, and it's just it's crazy to me because yeah. we had. Four defenders there. Um, it was a terrible header slash clearance. Oh, just right, slash, right to him. Uh, volleyball yeah. set up by yeah. here's an awful. Yeah, couldn't it have, was. He couldn't. He couldn't have served that up any better. Yeah, but and it just you know, and I feel bad for George Marks because like I feel like he has played pretty well um, over the past few weeks for Christian Kalina, and I feel like you know that, that's going to be probably viewed against him negatively. But like, what do you do for that man? Like you have four defenders there <laughs> yeah. trying to clear it, and you just. Yeah volley it up right and it just i don't know i think that was the most frustrating part to it but then you know i don't even want to talk about the third goal yet but think about the subs a little bit here too so think about tactics haven't changed um you know dc united they score they score two goals against us um pretty pretty bad goals to be honest with you but then we sub um justin miram who's just who just signed with the squad um there for Corwin Vargas doesn't really, I mean, he does okay, I guess. Doesn't really yeah, do anything. Varg- yeah, Vargas looked gas, and he also, I think, was took a couple of hits. So, yeah. I couldn't understand that sub, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I, and I understand it, but, like, 
I don't know. This dude just got, it's kind of like us subbing on Daniel Reed. I don't know what is with DC, but us signing guys the week of and then playing them. We did the same thing <laughs> with Daniel right. Rios last year, right? That's right. And so That's right. Um, put, put him on a winger and just said, hey, go out there. And I haven't really practiced these guys yet. But, um, you know, Chris Hagart comes in at the 81st minute and then Diop comes in at the 90th minute. And I'm just like, you, you do three subs. Granted, your bench consisted of Patrick, Privet, Cambridge, Jan, mm-hmm. Lindsay, and technically Kalina. So you don't really have that many more weapons to sub in to um, create chances potentially, right? I just don't understand why we sat back with the same tactics for almost 90 minutes at that point. Well, look who Diop came in for. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then where did he go when he came in? Yeah. I, center so, back. Well, th- that was the mind-boggling thing was that when Diop came in, you took then Derek Jones from a center back position and mm-hmm. said, hey, now I'm going to make you that CDM. So yeah. it, like, if that was the intent and you felt fine with that at 90 minutes when you're down two to nothing, why not just start that the entire game? I, I That's the baffling logic behind it. And here's the other scary part about it is, is that he still put him in over Jan. So like, what the hell has Jan been doing and that lost that much trust in the coaching staff that he can't even get subbed on for a guy who hasn't had any MLS minutes at that point? To play center back yeah well you made the he made the choice that he did and we got the result that we did and the subs again made no uh, just no sense and but look who you do have on the bench you have patrick agame who's pretty massive who's been doing well who would have fresh legs but what do you do? You keep five foot two Enzo Capetti out there every minute of every game to not do jack shit. Now, I hope Enzo catches fire. I hope we get him better service. I just don't think the style of play that we have it works for him. I'm trying to figure out why the hell we signed him. I'm, I, I'm actually getting pretty pissed about some of these signings. We keep missing so he's one of them. I, I don't understand why he was signed for this the style of play that we're trying to play. I, and I don't know what we're trying to do. I, I tweeted out, we're doing this cross and play offense. And well, what is it getting us? We need something through the middle. And I don't know why the coach is not seeing that, why we keep doing the same things that we're doing. But you have Agamemnon, who's super tall. And at the end of the game, you're more than likely hitting balls forward. And then if your whole thing is crossing the balls in, I mean, don't you want like a big dude in there? I don't know. So just make it make sense because it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, it's just frustrating to <laughs> just frustrating to think. Now, I will say at the 90 minute, you know, Diop came in and then, um, you know, DC United scored very shortly, right? I think right before that for their third goal. So yeah. at that point, game game was yeah. Done. We're we're you trying I mean? to push so. forward. Uh, I don't really, I don't know. So um, yeah, but that that game was lost when they scored the first goal, and that right there pisses me off. I think that's the frustrating part about it is that you don't know if or you can, you don't have confidence that they can fight back yet, and it's it's been 14, 15 months of that, and you don't know. You've had a few instances here and there, like Columbus at the end of the season last year, we came back, yep. but 
it's it's more rare than it is I mean, consistent parts. You know, we we are missing folks. I get it. You're missing Bill. You're missing Yozwiak. You're missing Ben Bender. Like I get it. Those are those are three or at least two offensive weapons, right? And you're missing a should I say sturdy? Because that's not the right word. You're missing a center back, a natural center back. He hasn't he hasn't really been sturdy. Uh, but you know. You do have Diop, you do have Yawn, and again, we missed on Yawn. Like, got to we've got to do better either signing the right players or this coach has got to get more out of these players and maybe play them in the right position. I don't know. Yeah. So before we dive into fan Q and A's, I mean, this looking ahead, Charlotte plays you know New York City FC this weekend at Bank of America Stadium. Um, what do you feel the team should do from a tactic wise? Should they just continue to to roll with this? Um, Bill obviously seems like he's going to be ex- you know out again potentially just based off of interviews with Latanzio um, and some of the press. You may get Camille back. I don't know if you're hearing anything from that perspective, mm-hmm. Swift. But what do you feel like the team should roll out at this point, especially if Bill's still out from the lineup? I mean, I you I think you should play a natural center back, and that's either. Yawn, or you could try Diop. Or with this game, you might be able to get away with playing Burn in the middle. The only issue with playing Burn in the middle against DC United is you do have Benteke, who's pretty massive. Um, so that's probably why, and we talked about this last episode, that's probably why they wanted to play Jones, but it's just still a stupid decision. Um, and it didn't work clearly. Uh, so you could see that this this coming weekend, though. Uh, but with this uh, with this coach, I, I don't know. I never know. And where's Jalen Lindsay? Why is he not starting? Why is he not playing? Unless, you know, we go to a five back. Um, so I don't know. It, it's hard to tell what the starting lineup is going to be. Uh, for me, that's probably the most frustrating thing right now is that I just don't know. Yep. You shouldn't be 11 games in and you're not sure who your best starting 11 is at this point. Yep. Um, and you, you don't know. Like, if we stick with a four four three three, do you put Brant or Jones in? Do you put um, Ashley Westwood back in there again? Do do you switch to a four four two? Do you switch to a five three? I, who knows at this point? And I and you know I, that's frustrating for me. It, I get we need to figure out what works, and we may just keep trying different things until it works finally. But I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's demoralizing as a fan a little bit. Yeah, we'll we'll see who's on the bench too. Like I said, we'll, we will have Bender back, and you might see him if he's if he's good to go. You might see him in the in the lineup just to give us. I mean, we're playing at home. You would think we would want to go for a little more. Uh, you know, New York City's in fifth um, on fifteen points, uh, so we're still what a good <laughs> six points out. You know, yeah, uh, which yeah. sounds ridiculous. I mean, maybe maybe with Bender coming. Yeah. Maybe maybe with Bender coming back, you you finally try out a four four two maybe, and have Jones as that CDM. I, I don't know. I, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. The the problem is is the Enzo and Swiderski combination. It's just not working. So you got to try to figure out because you ideally you want them on the field at the same time, but it's just there's just not meshing well. So you got to you got to think of something else. And and again. I think we're most dangerous when we're going through the middle instead of out wide or when we go out wide and, and then bring it through the middle. But this crossing the ball nonstop just is not getting it. 
Um, yeah, and it's it's easy. That, to that's got to be a that's got to be a massive miss though. If you can't keep two of your DPS on the field just because it's not working, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's super frustrating as a fan because it's like you know this offseason the team was going to spend more and hey we signed Enzo we spent more we went big you know we we moved Jordi Alcivar out and you know created a third dp spot and now we can't figure out how to start two out of two of our dps together i, I just don't understand what the logic was there. i think it's the style of play that we're trying to do and kind of going back to Harrison awful like serving up Benteke like i i think it's a matter of instead of being clear and decisive and heading the ball high and wide like you're told in high school he just tries to be cute and get it to a player and it just it goes right i I don't know it was an amazing goal but it's it's stupid it's a stupid decision and it's like let's play it out of the back let's have possession let's get it out wide and cross it in it's not it's not working yep yep well, Swift, I will be at the game this weekend, so hopefully we bounce back and uh, we can get three points and I can see a win this week, this year, um, which would be a great feeling. But, yeah. Um, anything else we move on to the Q&A? Now, let's get some positivity in here. Let's let's try it. Let's, yeah. let's go on to the fan questions. All right, and we are back with... Everyone's favorite segment, the fan Q&As. We got some serious questions in this week. We've also got some fun ones, so look forward to the fun (laughs) ones here in a little bit. So let's get started, Matt. So the first one comes from Brian. So Brian wants to know, should we start Marks or go back to Christian Kalina moving forward? So Kalina's obviously starting to get back into game shape. Looks like he's starting to get healthy, made it to the bench this last game. If you're Latanzio, do you continue to stake with Marks or do you put Kalina back in? Hmm. I think you would stay with Marks, but you are playing at home. Kalina is kind of a fan favorite. And I think if you're going to make the switch, now's a good time to do it. You just come off a three to nothing loss. Even though I don't think Marks was at fault for any of the goals, it's still, I think if you're going to do it, you could probably do it now. I mean, even at the Crown Legacy game, everybody was chanting Kalina basically just standing there not doing anything <laughs> they were just <laughs> right, excited right. excited to see him so uh, yeah i think if you're gonna do it so i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised like i said it's at home i think it would get the crowd up i think we need a little a little something so i could i could see him starting i would probably start marks but yeah wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all if kalina starts yeah i agree with you i i, I want marks to continue to start but i also wouldn't be surprised if kalina starts yeah. this game so Awesome. So good question, Brian. I appreciate it. All right. So this next question comes from Kevin. So Kevin wants to know, so with players moving back and forth from the primary squad and crown legacy, how quote in sync are the two coaching staffs staffs relative to the style formation and system of play? what do you think, Matt? Well, they definitely are in sync as far as, you know, talking every day, knowing what each team is doing. There's definitely players going up and down. I think they want to try to do the same style of play. I think one coach does a good job of getting 
the best out of his players and a an actual style of play. The other one is struggling, and I'll let you decide which one is which. <laughs> so and, and that that conversation came up a little bit in Slack, and and it's a it's a pretty good question, I think, just a follow up there, Swift, because this is the first year Charlotte has a MLS Next Pro team. Crown Legacy mm-hmm. just launched, and you know, as much as we were just getting frustrated with some of the signings and players that we've brought on to the first team this year that aren't working. It does seem like crown legacy has hit on some good young players potentially. Right. And do you think Mm -hmm. that's a indication that we just tended to spend more on some of these players for crown legacy than other MLS next pro teams, or is it, we actually just hit on some of this players talent or is it actually coaching? I think it's a little of all of it, which is the kind of the great thing about legacy and why it's so, you know, alluring and, and fun to watch. One, I think you have a really great coach. Two, I think the scouting team has done a great job of identifying young players and getting them in and not losing them now in drafts and stuff like that when we, quote unquote, don't have a, play, yeah, a place for them and, or instead of loaning them out to another team. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's a combination of, of everything really. Uh, and it's, it's been working, working well. And as far as spending more money, great. Uh, not only do we, you know, want to win a championship, but you're setting us up now for the future. Uh, yeah, we played a lot for, uh, paid a lot for, you know, Pekovic, but good. Maybe he'll be a first teamer soon. And from what I have seen, that's going to be probably likely. So that's that's really good stuff. Um, and I, I don't care that we've spent more than the other team. Hasn't the complaint been that we don't spend enough? So, and uh, yes, I know Crown Legacy is different than Charlotte FC and people are complaining that we're not spending enough there. But Legacy is our future. These players are our future. And if we can build that pipeline, that that's going to be super dangerous. And that's how you truly build a a dynasty franchise not just a a team that's good one year the garbage the next you don't know how they're going to do the next like we want sustainability and i think this gives it to us so and, and i have a follow-up question just for my own self but there's looking at the fan questions we're gonna bounce around a little bit because you know we're, we're talking about legacy and there's a few of these here so um mm-hmm. you know obviously zoran in the in the front office gets a little slack right now with the way the first team's playing do you feel like the way that Crown Legacy is working out, some of the talent they have identified kind of gets them some leeway on like looking ahead for future contracts, future uh, deals and staying with Charlotte FC or is it is the first team's performance weighed that much more versus what Crown Legacy is doing right now? It depends on if you're on Facebook or Twitter <laughs> on a determine. <laughs> uh, but I, I've said this before. Yeah, if you want to give the front office crap for the first team stuff, yeah, you that and that's fine. You also have to praise them for what they're doing in Crown Legacy as well, too. They're two different things, but they're all connected. So I think it's okay to criticize and praise when, you know, things are bad yeah. and then, you know, praise when things are good. So uh, I like what I've seen. And again, I, I think I think we're building something great with this. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're going to continue the Crown Legacy talk for a second here. So this next question um, actually is from Robert. So Robert's talking about the Crown Legacy guys. So, you know, Romero, Cambridge, Petrovic, um, Patrick, etc. So who do you think has the highest ceiling from that batch, from the from those Crown Legacy players? Who do you feel has really the highest ceiling and could make an impact potentially with Charlotte FC or beyond? I would say probably Petrovic. I know the the probably the everybody wants to hear Romero, but I, I don't know about that. I think Petrovic is going to be the one that has the highest highest ceiling, the one that can move into the first team quickly, and it's you know he could play multiple positions too, so that could be good. Um, but there's a lot of talent on Legacy. There, you know, we talk about we've already talked about Patrick Agamain. There's Cambridge. Uh, there's Diop. So there's a lot of talent that's on that squad that can make an impact. I don't know who would have the highest ceiling per se, but I think it would be Petrovic. Yeah. So again, continuing the the legacy talk. So this next one comes with Hobbs. So um, so last week we mentioned that the theme in the organization is to get a system installed and uh, with the right players so that the system coaches may come and go. Is Crown Legacy the system that's trying to be installed, you think, with the first team? And then what's preventing them from being installed into the first team as well? Because you do see a little bit of a different tactic, different formations with Crown Legacy. So do you think that's the ultimate goal and we just want the pieces there? Or what, what's your thoughts? I think Legacy has the pieces and a coach and the players have a willingness and understanding to execute what we're trying to do. I think the first team struggles with that. I think the first team struggles with their identity and what they're trying to do. I think that's the difference. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, you have to also realize too, like those crown legacy guys are hungry, man. Like they want to make it to the first squad and they're motivated Mm -hmm. to really give it their all and prove that they deserve there. Right. I'm not saying the first team don't, they, they realize that they're professionals, but you have that edge a little bit with some of these guys because they're like, hey, this is yeah. my my gateway to MLS and this is how I'm going to get there potentially. Well, what I like about Legacy is that they're not afraid. They're not afraid to defend one on one. They're not dropping off. They're going two players to try to win the ball when we do have possession. They move off the ball really, really well. And they pass well. And they communicate well. And they seem like a cohesive unit. Our first team is struggling with, with that piece as well, too. That's why it's really refreshing to watch Legacy. It's it's two different leagues. Don't get me wrong. I've seen some comments about like, oh, why don't we just take the coach and the players and move them up to the first team? They would get slaughtered. It's it's two it's two different levels of play, but but they are doing really really well clearly, um, and I think they are implementing the style of play that we're looking for. But these players are hungry, and they're going out there and and trying to prove something. Even the subs when they come on, everybody's fighting. What I loved about Legacy's last game is that when they went up one to nothing, they didn't stop. When they got another goal, they didn't stop. When they got another one, they didn't stop. They kept going. Now, the other team was down a man. I get it. But throughout the whole season, this team just keeps going. They don't sit back. They don't play scared. 
They don't seem to be afraid of making a mistake. They just go for it. And it's really fun to watch. Yeah. It's funny you say that because it's, you were talking about, um, why don't they just swap the rosters and just move people around? Like that's like saying the Chicago White Sox suck at baseball right now. They're like eight and 21. Why don't we just take everyone from the Charlotte Knights and the coaching staff and bring them up to major league baseball <laughs> and then everything would magically be fixed. Right. It doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, um, it, I wish it was that simple because if it was that simple, you'd probably see it more often, but, um, mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Well, that's enough of the crown legacy questions here. So we're going to bounce back to some Charlotte FC thoughts a little bit. So this next one comes from um, at Flacco Tex. So uh, Flacco Tex, thanks for the question. So he's got, a, <laughs> they've got a few questions here about left back. So the first one, Swift, because he is a player slash coach, does awful have limitations as to how many minutes he can potentially play for the team this year? Do you know? Mm-hmm. So, a really good question. So he's not a player coach. He's a player scout. And David, we we've we've talked about this before. We're not sure. I don't think yep. so. Um, so I, I think he's free to play as many minutes and games as he wants. But he's a player scout, not a player yeah. coach. And I'm sure his contract and he's thinking to himself is, man, I wish I was getting paid for playing 90 minutes <laughs> the past few weeks because I'm sure he's not making as much. But um, yeah, good question. So the second question about left back is. Uh, did, did the front office not sign a left back this last window because they thought Diop was MLS ready? And then once he got the training, maybe they realized that he wasn't. So what 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 you think there, Swift? Yeah, another another good question. I I think Diop was a you know he's a he's a super draft player, which most of them don't end up really amounting to too much. That's usually the norm. But I think they bring him in because he could play multiple positions. You know, he could play left back. He could play center back. Uh, and I think he he is more of a, you know, depth piece and to have for the future as, as, we, as we keep going. My thought is, is that in the offseason that they'll try to bring in a left back. Uh, or maybe another player or two. I think we're going to have to wait to the summer, though, and that's usually when it's easier to get players. Usually in the you know, January windows and stuff like that, it's harder and more expensive to get players. And uh, I feel like that window, it's easier for things to fall through. Yeah, the only downfall is, and we saw it last year, was that sometimes that transition from getting them in the summer window is not as quick, potentially, right? So I know... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Milanda obviously came in the summer window, but, you know, Nuno Santos, Nathan Byrne, et cetera, did not sign and just immediately start. It was early in the summer window, and then they mm-hmm. really didn't start making an impact till late July, early August, which at that point, you've only got like eight weeks left in the season. So, hmm. yeah. So, um, last question from Flacco Tex. Is it a bit strange to have a player slash scout, not coach, um, as a captain, or is it normal, you feel? Hmm. Uh, that, uh, yeah, these are three good questions. I don't know that's normal because I don't know how normal it is to have a player scout, but with Awful's leadership experience, I think it. I think it's perfectly fine for him to be captain, uh, especially you know if Westwood is out or Clean is out or I, I don't know. So yeah, yeah. 
Who is who fine. is the true captain here? Or, you know, is Brant Brant's <laughs> been the captain? I mean, that's kind of the better question is yeah. who should be captain? Yeah. If Westwood's on the field, why is he not? I think Westwood was last game, wasn't he? Yeah. Well that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, like so like if if he's if he's not, then who is captain? Usually I, I thought it was Brant, but yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's weird that Awful was this captain. Yeah. Agree. So let's let's continue the defense talk here a little bit. So this next question comes from Joe. So the defense is pretty poor, <laughs> which we talked about. I think I tweeted out like they have actually one of the 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 highest goals against an MLS so far this season. Mm. Um, so why would we trade for another forward in Justin Miram? Yes. Yeah. Good question. So I, you know, the deal was supposed to be Justin Miram, Andre Shinishiki going the other way. So that's kind of like a like for like. And again, you're in this fall transfer window um, and you're trying to move a player on that you really don't want in the squad. So you're trying to get anything that you can for him. Also, too, Justin has a ton of experience, is a professional, has some leadership qualities. And I think we need a little bit of that in the squad right now with everything going on. So I'm not too concerned about that. There are there are definitely other needs, but I think just that particular situation, you know, I don't think RSL wanted to get rid of a, a left back or a center back, you know, or something that we needed. Like here's here's a talisman, here's a or not a talisman, like a journeyman. You know, here's you're a veteran. We'll take a young player in return and some money. Yada yada yada. But of course, that all fell through. Yep. But since we are just looks like just kind of sidelining Andre, we still need someone to replace him. Because then you're down a person, and I and knows like oh we have we have players that can play that role. We have Vargas, we have Yozuyak. But if one of them goes down, then you just have gains. And then now is at Cambridge. Now you're kind of struggling again, and we're kind of back in this situation where we don't know. And they start playing people out of position, apparently. So, yeah, yeah, and I think another thing was the financial impact. Obviously, we we talked early in the show about the potential Andre legality situation, right? Um, but you know that notwithstanding, right? Andre was a multi-year extension last year, and Justin Miram is a expiring contract this season, right? So it could be also a financial implica- implication there, where the team is like, hey, we're potentially would have been able to move on from a multi-year contract to an expiring contract so that way we can open up some more cap space to sign someone next year right so mm-hmm. i think that was probably the original intent but you know right. obviously whatever mm-hmm. happened so um but yeah so again let's talk about some strikers here so this next question comes from luke and his is really simple here uh swift his question is mellow question mark so what's going <laughs> on with mellow what do you think we touched on this a little bit last episode. I, I think there are some training concerns. I think there are some attitude concerns. I think there might be, you know, he might need to slim down a little bit too. Uh, but Melo got some minutes with Legacy. And I, I think it's one of those things where if maybe your head's not in the right place or you're not training well or maybe your attitude's not the best or something – you can go down there and readjust, right? And sometimes it, it works. Um, so we'll see how he does. I, I think he has a lot of potential. He has the talent. I'd love to see him back in the first team. 
But again, I, I hope that people will have a little more patience and grace now. And I know, you know, we're on this podcast criticizing the coach and we've criticized the front office, but sometimes it's not always what it seems. So just because a player's not playing or they go down doesn't just mean that the people in charge are idiots. There could be other things at play. And again, I alluded to Andre's situation and then maybe getting him out of the locker room could help some other players. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So continuing the conversation around strikers, wingers, et cetera. So this next question comes from Eric Hill. So uh, through 10 games, so not counting our cup matches, Kopetti, Jozwiak, Swiderski, and Vargas each have two goals, and Ben Bender has one. Do you see anyone potentially reaching double-digit goals this season, and who would be your best bet to do so? I think it would be – you said goals, right? Yeah, yeah. Not I think it would be – goals. I think it would be Swiderski. I, right now, I just don't see how in the world Enzo is going to score 10. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he scores 20, but – I just don't see that. I could also see a scenario where Enzo drops to the bench and we try something different. I just don't see a scenario where we drop Swiderski and we just go with Enzo. I, I could be wrong. Who knows? But I think my best bet, if I had to bet money, I would bet Swiderski because that link-up play with between him and Yozwiak and, you know, Swiderski can take free kicks. He can head the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can actually score with his right foot, apparently. So, yeah, that, that's that would be who I go with. Gotcha. I agree with you. I think I think he probably has the most likely chance. So, um, so this next question comes from good old Russell, aka Rusty Varner. So, he says, obviously, we all know the positives of letting Latanzio go. Um, in your opinion, does that outweigh the negatives of letting him go? And the negatives being this, being the second manager let go in less than two years for Charlotte FC, further showing instability. So who is going to want this job potentially if that would happen? Patrick Vieira or Terry Henry? I'm saying that because I just want to put that out there to Jesse hopefully Marsh. make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, remember that time yeah. we could have had Ben Olsen? Yeah, and we know. didn't. And then yeah. now he's doing pretty well in Houston. But no, um, I we've touched on this before. I, I think a, a coach would have to have a pretty honest conversation with Zorn and be like, look, what's the what's the situation here? But a, but a real true professional like Patrick Vieira or Terry Henry uh, could come in and I think would have a big enough personality and knowledge to say, okay, if this is how you want to play, this is what we're going to do. And I think a coach like those two would get the best out of the players and make better decisions. So I, I do think a coach could come in and, you know, you look at the – if you look at EPL, I mean, coaches come and go every six months, it seems like. Look at leads. Like, they're just, like, burning through coaches. Yeah. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, you never want to go into a, a place where there's lots of turnover. But I think if if the right coach was out there, they they understand the situation and can look at the the past two coaches and be like, okay, I can improve on this. Have a conversation with David Tepper and and Zoran and Joe Labu and like, okay, here's here's what I could do for you. Here's what I need. Let's let's go do this thing together. Yeah, and I think if you're a, if you're a coach at that level, if you if you reach any kind of professional level, you kind of have a mentality or a 
an edge to you that you're like, you know what? It's not going to be that way with me there. I'm going to, I'm going to do better than that last person. So <laughs> I think, I think, no matter, I, I think everyone thinks that when they get yeah. to that level. Right. So even, even though, yes, it would show instability if we, if we would let go of Latanzio at any point of this season. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think it would, it, you're not going to find someone that's going to be like, Hey, I can take this next step in my career or, Hey, I, I have the, the mentality that I can do better. But uh, I personally think, um, I don't think they let go of Latanzio right now at this point in the season or even midway of the season because there's no one else there that's going to be able to step up, unfortunately, unless they hire someone midway. You know, who knows? And, the, and they could. Uh, if they were, they were smart, if they were smart, they probably already have like a short list of, of coaches that they're thinking about. Um, Jesse Marsh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so... Who knows? Um, one th- one thing I want to say though, and maybe I'm maybe I am just being optimistic here. I think with everything that has happened, especially this season, I I really do think that Tepper, Zoran, Thomas, Joe Labou, the whole entire staff has probably learned a lot, and will get better. And understand the league more and can identify players better and do background checks better. And I, I think there's a there's a learning curve. And I think again, maybe I'm just being optimistic. I, I think they're gonna get it. I think they're gonna figure this stuff out. And maybe it's gonna take us kind of having this as the world turns moment and all these things happening. We had a tragic loss, we've had injuries. We've had a lot of drama, like, but I'm, I think this front office can learn from all of this and get better. I think they can only get better from this. Um, at least I, at least I hope. God, I hope so, man. That, that'd be great. So, um, all right, man, you ready to transition to some, uh, not so serious and fun questions? Let's please do. <laughs> great. So this first question comes from Becca. Um, so MCC president wants to know Swift, what is your favorite game day snack? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put it to <laughs> twofold here for you. First, I, I'm going to change this question up a little bit. What is your favorite game day snack when it's a home game? And then what is your favorite game day snack when it's an away game? I don't, I don't eat a lot of snacks on game day. I mean, tacos, we eat a lot. We at, at the tailgates, we eat tacos. That's my favorite thing. Snacks though, I don't know. Like, do you eat snacks? Are you a big snacker? I mean, have you like seen on game me? day? Yes. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, so I would. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say like snacks on game day. I guess like meals or food. Like, I, I would yeah. say um, when it's a home game. Yeah, I would. Whatever's available at the tailgate, I'm just gonna munch on. Right. Like, if it's tacos, mm-hmm. if it's hot dogs, whatever it is. I think we had pizza one time. I, that's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, I tend to not really get much at the stadium anymore in terms of food because my wallet it's, wants it's to thank me for that. For yeah. I will say my go-to quick snack because you know I'm in the supporter section and you know I don't want to miss really any moments of the game and I'm usually you know, the guy with the megaphone ch- chanting and singing the entire time. If I want something really quick, I will go to the supporter, like self-checkout thing and just grab a hot dog. 
just hmm. really simple. It's probably the cheapest thing they have there too. So that's the other motivating factor for it too. But um, if yeah. it's a way match, yeah, man, I got, I want some wings. I want something to, to eat. That's good. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, tacos at the tailgate. I do Bojangles. I try to get Blech. in the stadium a little early <laughs> so I can sit down and, and eat before everything happens. Because, yeah, once the game starts, I don't want to be leaving. Yeah. Um, yep. I did have pupusas at DC United yes. with, with Jay, and those are really good. Those are really good. I remember having those last year. It was pretty mm-hmm. delicious, actually. Yeah. Um, so, awesome question, Becca. So, I, I look forward to having another hot dog at the stadium this weekend, probably, mm-hmm. most likely. So, um, so this next question is probably one of our weirdest questions, Swift. And uh, oh, I'm, okay. I'm really excited about this one. So, um, <laughs> okay. So, Roy wants to know. Would you rather become a sentient strawberry with the mind you have now? So, you know, take your little brain out, Matt, and you get put inside of a strawberry. You have no physical ability for mobility or communication or just become a regular strawberry with strawberry thoughts. (laughs) So what would you prefer to have, Swift? (laughs) Oh, man. So I know what I think every day. I would love to know what a strawberry thing. So I'm gonna go <laughs> strawberry with strawberry thoughts. What I mean, what do you think a strawberry thinks about all day? I have no idea. I don't know. I I think I would want to do that just from the mental side of it because I'm pretty sure if you put my brain inside of a strawberry and I can't move, I can't speak, and I know everything that I know, and my and my my life would be really short because I know I'm probably gonna end up on somebody's strawberry shortcake. I'm going to be like, mm. I got. I just got to think about being Ooh. a strawberry. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, I guess if you're a strawberry and you have strawberry thoughts, you don't know that you're going to be eaten. But let me ask you this. If you are a strawberry and you don't know that you're going to be eaten, but what you said, strawberry shortcake, like what would you like to be eaten as? Like, would it be strawberry shortcake? Would it be put in a smoothie? Would it be strawberry pie or cake or something? Like, what would it be? I have no idea. Um, I would. I, <laughs> What's your favorite strawberry dish? I guess that's. I guess that's the more appropriate question that I would want to be a part yeah. of. Um, man, I don't know. Probably strawberry shortcake. I feel like it's a pretty mm. southern staple. I think of like you know you get the yeah. little short shortbread cups and some Cool Whip and uh, some strawberries. I think that's a pretty southern staple. So I'm gonna go with that one. How about you, Swift? <laughs> where did this where did the show go is what i want to know right now a strawberry dipped in chocolate (laughs) and given to somebody for valentine's day to make someone's day you mean your wife on valentine's day well yeah i mean like but but that means that she would wait a minute so someone i don't know no in that scenario (laughs) someone else would be giving her chocolate covered strawberries and she would be eating me as the strawberry this is just getting this, out of hand this is just getting weird okay so. <laughs> well that is probably probably one of the weirdest <laughs> questions that we've ever had on the show but i like uh, it though you know i do I'm like it of, i'm i'm hungry now <laughs> I, i'm, I'm kind of low-key craving some strawberry shortcake right now so yeah roy i think you win the award so far uh for the probably the strangest but fun question that we just had yeah um, i appreciate that yeah, other than the Sermenti dinner conversation we had last week. So, mm-hmm. um, and I do have to say this, I, I, and I'm going to kind of you know, hopefully don't break anyone's trust. Um, so, friend of the show, Vaughn, I have to share this. 
Vaughn does like a Twitter space on away matches, right? And I listened to his his Twitter space last game during DC United. And he was asking questions and he's like, hey, you know, put them in the chat below or come off mute, ask questions. And I don't really feel like talking. It's like 11 o'clock at night. We just lost to DC United three to nothing. And uh-huh. I text him and I said, question for you. If you had to take Sir Menti to dinner, what restaurant would you take him to and why? Because of our conversation last time, right, Matt? And mm-hmm. uh, Vaughn's response was, I take Sir Menti to get a cookout tray because we could all use one of those at this time. So, oh, so I think nice. uh, if you if you ever in a bad mood after a DC United loss or any future losses, I think the cookout tray is the way to go. So I've got one last question Ooh. to follow up here, Swift. What is your go-to cookout tray? Mm. Glad you asked, David. So I do a barbecue sandwich, corn dog, and fries with a milkshake and mm. and then I have a cheer wine to drink. Nice, nice. So yeah. I'm pretty similar to you there, Swift. So I, I do a barbecue sandwich, mm. um, but I do onion rings and mm. then I do Cajun fries instead of just the regular fries. Oh yeah. Um, and if it's the summertime between that July and August window, I get a watermelon milkshake. So that's what I- uh, that's what I, I don't think for. I've ever done the watermelon it's good. It kind of it's like a hint of watermelon. It's basically a vanilla shake with chunks of watermelon in it. Mm. That's all it is. So if you like watermelon, God. definitely check that out, Swift. Man, I want I want cookout and I want like a strawberry milkshake. <laughs> that's right, cookout. That's right. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's that's all the questions we have this week, Swift. So uh, hopefully, anyone that's listening to this tomorrow or the next day. Hopefully you stop by a cookout and you think of us during this episode. But any final thoughts or closing thoughts, Swift, before we move on uh, on this episode and take on New York City FC? No, nothing else. I hope that we get three points at home. I would love to see the stadium full and have something to cheer about. And I want to see these players giving everything they can working their butts off and then getting rewarded. One of the things we didn't do in D.C. is finish our chances, take advantage of when a team messes up. I don't want to see that. I want to see that Saturday. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I'm taking my dad to the game on Saturday. Oh, nice. So uh, hopefully we we pull out three points um, and win because then he has to come to every game until we lose. So, um, But if we lose this game, don't don't blame Papa Gus. So... uh, Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. So, um, well, Swift, on that note, man, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday at the tailgate. I will not be there. <gasps> well, then if we win, you better not come ever again. <laughs> yeah, we every every year we do a Kentucky Derby party. It's kind of like um, our, our tradition. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's Saturday now. We're going to have the party, do the Derby. We'll have dinner and do betting and all that stuff. And then after that, we'll turn the game on. So I'll definitely be watching. I'll be looking out for you. Well, Swift, I'm really disappointed to hear that, that you're not going to show up in your Sunday best or Derby best to the game because I feel feel like you would show up very, very well at this game. (laughs) Yeah, I will have a seersucker suit. We we get all decked out and have hats and do the whole whole thing. And, uh, you know, we've moved into this new house. So it's kind of like a housewarming as well. Nice. We've got the bar outside all situated and set up and. So we'll be ready to go. I'm, I'm excited for it, but kind of sad that I'm going to be missing the, the game live. Did you did you move the bees? Yes. So the bees are safe and secured? Yes. 
Alright, good. Make sure you say hello to the bees for me. But on that note... I will. I'll tell them <laughs> you said hello. On that note, everyone, see you Saturday. <laughs> see you guys.